Chapter sixty four of the Mysteries of London. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Judy Guinan. The Mysteries of London by George Reynolds. Chapter sixty four. On the same day that the above conversation took place in the parlor of the boozing kin on Saffron Hill, Markham was seated in his library with several books before him his countenance was pale and bore the traces of recent illness and an air of profound melancholy reigned upon his handsome features he endeavoured to fix his attention on the volume beneath his eyes but his thoughts were evidently far away from the subject of his studies at length as if to compose his mind he turned abruptly towards his writing-desk and took thence a note which he had already perused a thousand times and every word of which was indelibly stamped upon his memory we shall suppose a traveller upon sarah's burning desert sinking beneath fatigue and oppressed by thirst the agony of which becomes maddening presently he reaches a well it is deep and difficult of access nevertheless the traveller's life or death reposes at the bottom of that well in like manner did markham's only hope lie in that letter no wonder then that he read it so often no marvel that he referred to it when his mind was afflicted and when the wing of his spirit was oppressed by the dense atmosphere of despair and yet the contents of that letter were simple and laconic enough richmond the countess alteroni presents her compliments to mr markham and begs to acknowledge mr markham's letter of yesterday's date the countess expresses her most sincere thanks for a communication which prevented an arrangement that under the circumstances disclosed would have proved a serious family calamity yes isabella is saved said markham to himself as his eyes wandered over the contents of that most welcome note which he had received some days previously it is impossible to mistake the meaning of that last sentence she is saved and i have been the instrument of her salvation i have rescued her from a union with a proliferate an adventurer a man of infamous heart surely surely her parents will admit that i have paid back a portion of the debt of gratitude which their kindness imposed upon me yes the countess herself seems to hold out a hope of reconciliation that note bids me hope it is more than coldly polite it is confidential it gives me to understand the results of my own letter denouncing the miscreate george montague greenwood richard's countenance brightened as he reasoned thus within himself but in a few moments a dark cloud again displaced that gleam of happiness enthusiastic visionary that i am he murmured to himself i construe common politeness into a ground of hope i fancy that every bird i see however ill-omened is a dove of promise with an olive branch in its mouth alas mine is a luckless fate and god alone can tell what strange destinies yet await me he rose from his chair and walked to the window the rain which had poured down in torrents all morning had ceased and the afternoon was fine and unusually warm for the early part of january he glanced towards the hill whereupon two trees stood and thought of his brother that much-loved brother of whose fate he was kept so cruelly ignorant while he was standing at the window buried in profound thought and with his eyes fixed upon the hill he heard a light step near him and in a moment ellen monroe was by his side do i intrude richard she exclaimed i knocked twice at the door not receiving any reply i imagined that there was no one here i came to change a book but you you are thoughtful and depressed i was meditating upon a topic which to me is always fraught with distressing ideas answered markham i was thinking of my brother 
your brother ejaculated ellen and her countenance became ashley pale yes continued richard not observing her emotion i would rather know the worst if misfortunes have really overtaken him than remain in this painful state of suspense if he be prosperous why would he stay away if poor why does he not seek consolation with me perhaps said ellen hesitantly perhaps he is in reality much better off than than any one who feels interested in him heaven knows ejaculated markham but are now you observed that i was melancholy and dispirited and i have told you wherefore ellen i must make the same charge against you against me cried the young lady with a start while at the same time a deep blush suffused her cheeks yes against you continued richard now glancing towards her you may think that i am joking but i never was more serious in my life for the few days that you have been in this house you have been subject to intervals of profound depression i repeated ellen the hue of her blushes becoming more intensely crimson as her glances sank confusedly beneath those of markham alas ellen answered richard i have myself been too deeply initiated in the mysteries of adversity and sorrow i have drunk too deeply of the cup of affliction i have experienced too much bitter bitter anguish not to be able to detect the presence of unhappiness in others and by many signs ellen i have discovered that you are unhappy i speak to you as a friend i do not wish to penetrate into your secrets but if there be anything in which i can aid you if there be aught within my poor services or my counsels may be rendered available speak command me oh richard cried ellen tears starting into her eyes how kind how generous of you to think of me you who have already done so much for my father and myself were you not the companion of my childhood ellen and should i not be you as a brother and you to me as a sister let me be your brother then and tell me how i can alleviate the weight of that unhappiness which is crushing your young heart a brother exclaimed ellen most wildly yes you shall you must be a brother to me and i will be your sister ah there is consolation in that idea then after a moment's pause she added but the time is not yet come when i as a sister shall appeal to you as a brother for that aid which a brother alone can give and until then ask me no more speak to me no farther upon the subject i implore you ellen pressed richard's hand convulsively and then hurried from the room markham had scarcely recovered from the astonishment into which these last words had thrown him words which coming from the lips of a young and beautiful girl were fraught with additional mystery and interest when whittingham entered the library a young lad master richard said the old butler has called about the situation which is vacated in our household i took the precaution of leaving word yesterday with the people at a public of most dubitable respectability called the servants arms where i call now and then when i go into town and it appears that this young lad having called in there quite perspicuously this morning heard of the place let him step in whittingham said markham i will speak to him although to tell you the truth i do not admire a public-house recommendation whittingham made no reply but opening the door exclaimed step in here young man step in here and henry holford stood in the presence of richard markham whittingham retired i believe you are in want of a young lad sir said holford to assist in the house i am answered markham have you ever served in that capacity before no sir if you would take me and give me a trial i should feel very much obliged i have neither father or mother and am totally dependent upon my own exertions these words were quite sufficient to command the attention and sympathy of the generous-hearted richard the lad was moreover of superior manners and well-spoken and there was something in his appeal to markham which was very touching 
what have you been before my good lad to tell you the truth sir was the reply i have been a simple pot-boy in a public-house and of course the landlord will give you a character yes for honesty and industry sir but-but what i do not think it is of any use to apply to that landlord for a character because-because what demanded markham seeing the young man again hesitated if you can have a character for honesty and industry you need not be afraid of anything else that could be said of you the truth is sir answered holford i absented myself without leave and remained away for two or three days then when i returned this morning at a very early hour i refused to give an account of my proceedings that is the whole truth sir and if you would only give me a trial there is something very straightforward and ingenuous about you said markham perhaps you would have no objection to tell me how you were occupied during your absence that sir is impossible but i declare most solemnly that i did nothing for which i can reproach myself unless added holford it was in leading a couple of villains to believe that i would do a certain thing which i never once intended to do really your answers are so strange cried richard that i know not what to say to you it however appears from your last observation that two villains tempted you to do something wrong that you led them to believe you would fall into their plans and that you never meant to fulfil your promise it is all perfectly true sir they proposed a certain scheme in which i was to be an agent i accepted the office they assigned to me because it suited my disposition and promised to gratify my curiosity in a way where it was deeply interested and how did you explain your conduct to the two men whom you speak of inquired richard not knowing what to think of the young lad but half inclining to believe that his brain was affected i invented certain excuses sir was holford's reply which completely dampened their ardour in the matter alluded to and now sir will you give me a trial i feel convinced you will and i not thought so from the very beginning i should not have spoken so freely as i have done i am disposed to assist you i am desirous to meet your wishes said markham still your representations are rather calculated to awaken fears than clear up doubts concerning you what guarantee can you offer that you will never see those two villains again what security sir said holford your own manner is so frank and kind so very condescending indeed to a poor lad like me that i would not deceive you for the world i had promised to meet those two men to-night for the last time to meet them again yes sir to receive the reward promised for the service which i undertook ah young man cried markham this is most imprudent if not actually criminal and where was this precious interview to take place at the dark house sir the dark house ejaculated markham what a low tavern in brick lane spitalfields the same sir and the names of the two men demanded richard hastily their right names and those by which they are commonly known amongst their own set are very different said holford how are they known what are they called in their own infamous sphere cried markham his impatience amounting almost to a fever speak i do not know whether i shall be doing right said holford hesitantly perhaps i have already told you too much speak i say cried richard taking holford by the collar of his jacket speak you do not know you cannot guess how necessary it is for me to have my present suspicions cleared up speak i swear no harm shall happen to you on the contrary i will reward you if it should turn out as i suppose once more who are these villains they are called what speak speak the resurrection man 
ah and the cracksman then i am right my suspicions are confirmed ejaculated markham relinquishing his hold upon holford's jacket and throwing himself upon a chair sit down my good lad sit down you and i have not done with each other yet the young man appeared alarmed by richard's exclamations and manners and seemed undecided whether to remain where he was or attempt to escape richard divined what was passing in the lad's bosom and hastened to reassure him sit down and fear nothing i swear most solemnly that no harm shall happen to you be you who or what you may for i cannot suppose that you are a participator in the crimes of these miscreates you would not have come to me to tell me all this oh no providence has sent you hither this day holford took a seat wondering how this extraordinary scene was to terminate are you aware of the pursuits of those two men whom you have named i mean the full extent of the atrocity of their pursuits demanded richard after a few moments pause i know that they are body-snatchers and burglars sir answered holford indeed it was a burglary of which they would have me be the instrument but oh sir believe me i am incapable of such a crime and the representations i have made to them have induced them to abandon all idea of it and you are not aware then continued richard and they are more than body-snatchers and burglars more sir repeated holford in a tone of unfeigned surprise oh no sir how can they be more than that they are more far more rejoined markham with a shudder they are murderers murderers ejaculated holford starting from his chair with the mingled emotions of horror and alarm yes murderers of the most diabolical and cold-blooded description said markham but it's too long a tale to tell you now let it suffice for you to know that i was myself upon the point of becoming a victim to that most infernal of miscreants the resurrection man and i should conceive that the other whom you named is in all aspects as bad as he murderers repeated holford his mental eyes fixed by a horrible and snake-like fascination upon the fearful idea now suddenly engendered in his imagination murderers echoed markham solemnly and through you they must be surrendered up justice through me cried holford yes through you if you be really imbued with such honourable feelings as you ere now professed you will not hesitate for one moment in discharging this duty towards society but it would be an odious act of treachery on my part said holford let the men be what they may if you manifest such a reluctance to rid the metropolis of two murderers cried markham angrily i shall conceive that you are more intimately connected with them than you choose to admit but if you imagine that these villains are more innocent than i describe them if you fancy that some motive prompts me to exaggerate their infamy i will tell you that no language can enhance their guilt no vengeance be too severe have you not heard that men have disappeared in a most strange and mysterious manner within the last year at the eastern end of the metropolis disappeared without leaving a trace behind them men who were not in the situation which hurries the despairing wretch on to suicide you must have heard of this if not learn the dismal fact now from my lips but the assassins the dark and secret assassins of these numerous victims are the wretches whom we shall this night lodge in the grasp of justice as you will sir said holford awe-inspired by the solemnity of markham's voice and the impressiveness of his manner i was to meet them at the dark house at nine o'clock do you take measures to secure them most assuredly i will returned markham emphatically and when i think of all that you have told me my good lad continued richard i am inclined to believe that you yourself would have been a victim to those wretches me exclaimed holford horror-struck at the mere idea yes such is now my conviction 
they made an appointment with you at the dark house to give you a sum of money you say yes sir foolish boy do such men pay their agents or accomplices who fail to fulfill their designs or who deceive them do such men part with their money so readily that money which they encounter so many perils to obtain and that dark house the place of your appointment that dark house is in the immediate neighborhood of the headquarters of their crimes yes there cannot be a doubt you also were to be a victim my god what a fearful danger have i incurred ejaculated holford shuddering from head to foot as markham thus addressed him then when he called to mind the ferocity with which the cracksman menaced him with his knife and the coaxing manner in which the resurrection man had engaged him to form the appointment for the evening he felt convinced that the dread suspicion was a correct one you say that the hour of meeting is fixed for nine cried markham after a few minutes reflection yes sir and now let me thank you with the most unfeigned sincerity for having thus saved me from a dreadful death your kindness and condescension have led to a lengthy conversation between us an accident has made me reveal to you those particulars which have led you to form the conclusion relative to the fate destined for myself you must not imagine for a moment that i would league with such villains in any of their diabolical plans no sir i would sooner be led forth to the place of execution this minute although i consented to do their bidding in one respect i repeat that i had mine own curiosity to gratify that is my own inclinations to serve but when they wished to make me their instrument and tool in forwarding their unholy motives i shrank back in dismay oh yes sir now i comprehend the entire infamy of those men's characters i see what a fearful abyss i have escaped there was again something so sincere and so natural in the manner and emphasis of this young lad that markham surveyed him with sentiments of mingled interest and surprise then all the thoughts of our hero were directed towards the one grand object he had in view that of delivering a horde of ruffians ever to justice the gang may be more numerous than i imagine said markham indeed i know that there are a third man and a hideous woman connected with those two assassins whom you have already named it will therefore be advisable to lay such a trap that will lead to the capture of them all oh by all means sir exclaimed holford enthusiastically i do not wish to show them any mercy now we have no time to lose it is now four o'clock said markham and we must arrange the plan of proceeding with the police you will accompany me on this enterprise mr markham returned holford respectfully but firmly i have no objection to aid you in any shape or way in capturing these miscreants and rooting out their headquarters but i must beg of you not to place me in a position where i shall be questioned how i came to make this appointment for to-night with those two wretches it would compel me to make a revelation of the manner in which i employed my time during the last few days and that for certain reasons i could not do markham appeared to reflect profoundly i do not see how your presence can be dispensed with he observed at the expiration of some minutes in order to discover the exact spot where the murderers dwell it will be advisable for you to allow yourself to be inveigled thither and myself and the police would be close behind you oh never never sir cried holford turning deadly pale were you to miss us only for a moment or were you to force an entrance a single instant too late my life would be sacrificed to those wretches true true said markham it would be too great a risk in a dark night in narrow streets and with such desperadoes as those 
no i must devise some other means to detect the din of this vile gang but first of all i must communicate with the police you can remain here until my return to-morrow inquiry will be made relative to your honesty and industry and those points satisfactorily ascertained i will take you into my service without asking any farther questions holford expressed his gratitude for this kindness on the part of markham and was then handed over to the care of whittingham having partaken of some hasty refreshment and armed himself with a brace of pistols in preparation for his enterprise richard proceeded with all possible speed into london End of chapter sixty four recording by judy guinan